Welcome to Ladies Who Love Christ, where we love to encourage you to build intimacy with Christ. We'll bring you insights and teachings to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, ultimately becoming the strong, godly woman you were created to be. Here is Ashley Pope Todorova. Hello, and welcome to session one of our Acts Bible study. We're so grateful to have you here. Tonight, we're going to be studying Acts chapter one, all the way through Acts chapter two, verse 47. We're so grateful to have you joining, and we're going to pick up right in the middle of our study. So now, turning to Romans chapter one, verse 16, I want to read this to you. So important. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Write it down if you don't have your Bible or something in front of you. Write this down. Write it on a post-it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the very power of God. It is the very power of God that changed Saul to Paul. It is the very power of God that took a man who hated Christians. Go and read literally hated them, persecuted them tremendously, I don't say that lightly, and became one of the greatest followers of Christ, right? Just complete and utter turn of life and change of heart. Paul admitted that prior to meeting the risen Savior, he was the most zealous of Israelites and was blameless concerning righteousness based on the law going so far as to persecute those who taught salvation by grace, by charis, by favor, through faith alone in Christ. But after his conversion, Paul realized that his legalistic efforts, listen close, I'm going to say that again, that's a word we all recognize, his legalistic efforts were futile. He considered them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law right? You, you can't do enough good works. You can't do enough good things. We can't have, ha, have uh, adherence to the law and think that that's going to earn our way into heaven. No, by grace, through faith alone. Before he met Christ, Paul was blinded by pharisaical misinterpretation of the law and an inflated opinion, an inflated opinion of his own righteousness. I think if we're all being completely raw and honest with each other, we can say we've all been there. We've all been there at some point prior to meeting Jesus Christ. So some practical, practical um, application. And before we go to that, I want you to turn to Galatians 6.14. Galatians 6.14. And again, tonight, ladies, is really, I am packing in so much and I'm trying to be careful with your time. So if I'm moving really fast, that is why. And that's why I put the studies up after. So you can go listen and digest again. Galatians 6, 14 says, but may it never be that I would boast. May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of Christ and the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So the first thing, ladies, the first thing that we ought to know as we read Acts together is that it is all about Jesus. It is all about him giving us the promised Holy Spirit. It is all about a change of heart. And it is all about self-denial and us giving glory to whom glory is due. That applies to us 
today, here, right now, tonight, as much as it did then. So I hope that you'll carry that with you throughout the next six weeks together. Some practical application. And I want you to write these things down. God can do amazing things to ordinary people. Write it down. God can do amazing things through ordinary people when he empowers them through his spirit. When he empowers them through his spirit. God took a Christian hating murderer and transformed him into history's greatest Christian evangelist who literally wrote almost half of the books of the New Testament. God used the persecution of Christians endured to help stimulate the incredibly rapid expansion of the fledgling church. After Christ, after Christ rose, the church literally spread throughout, throughout the world very, very quickly. And we're going to study that in the book of Acts. If we try, write this, if we try to accomplish God's work in the world in our own power, we will fail. If I try to accomplish God's work in my own power, I will fail. Ladies, I'm speaking to gals, so I can say this. So many times we try to do things in our own power. We try to do things in our own strength. We try to do things in our own might. But see, we're going to fail when we do that. We can only do it through the power of God and the Holy Spirit alone. That's it. Like the disciples in Acts 2, we must faithfully proclaim the gospel. Write that down. Write it down and we're getting to the book. We must faithfully proclaim the gospel. Number two, that's point number one. Number two, we must trust God for the results. It is not your job. Sometimes we go and we plant a seed and we sit there and we want to watch it grow. We sit there and we're like, it's not growing. It's not our job. Our job is to plant the seed, right? Our job is to faithfully proclaim the gospel. Our job is not to be ashamed. God's word says, I will boast in nothing but in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So number two, we trust God for the results. We don't sit around and wait. We trust him to do what he wants to do. And number three, we devote ourselves to fellowship to God's word, to the breaking of bread together, and to prayer. And ladies, I'm about to go off for a second. And if you know me and you've been around for a minute, you know when I say that, we're parking it, we're pulling over on the side of the road, and I'm about to go somewhere, okay? We have become a society that says, I'm hurt by so-and-so in the church. Somebody hurt me. Somebody hurt my feelings. It could have been a staff member. It could have been a pastoral team member. It could have been a person in the church, just a member. It could have been anybody. But so often we say, I don't need the church. I can, I can watch it online. I watch church online very occasionally. I'm not saying that you never can. What I'm saying is that that is not fellowship. That is not committing yourselves to a body of believers and to breaking of bread together and to doing life together. It's very clear in God's word. It's very clear in the book of Acts, how vital and how important the church is. 
we have a culture. We have an incredible culture of Christians, like this whole sect of Christians that are saying they don't even need the church. They don't need the fellowship. We are to devote ourselves to God's word, to the breaking of bread together. That means the breaking of bread together. That means we do life together. We do life together every Sunday. I go to a church here in Atlanta. It's a big church. I go to church to um, uh, early in the morning. I get there and I do Bible study with new people. It's a new church for me. It's Church of the Apostles, Dr. Michael Youssef. I go there, I do the Bible study. And then after that, I go to church and I can't get enough. I love meeting people. I love plugging in. I love holding hands with someone and saying, hey, I prayed for you about this, what's going on? And I've already been able to do that. Ladies, do not buy the lie from the enemy that you don't need the church. There's a very specific reason. God's not saying, hey, the church needs you. He's saying you need the church. Don't buy the lie. Find a place, plug in. And my goodness, if you're a young mother or a lady who loves Christ and you're raising up babies and you want to raise up an army, you're not going to do it. Watching fun little programs at home, you're going to do it. Getting them in the church, surrounded by believers. I would venture to say there's never been a time more. There's so much opposition and utter and complete war that is taking place from behind the screens and it is fighting. It is fighting not only for your mind, but for the precious impressionable mind of our children. Today is for somebody to get yourselves plugged in to the body of Christ. Those three points, I hope you wrote them down. If not, I'm sure Heather got them. Heather's literally amazing. So what we're going to do is we are going to breeze through. I want you to turn to uh, page one in the book. And I'm not going to read verbatim the whole time. We're going to cover bullets and points of chapter one. Now, I want to use this as a brief pause because I always forget to do this. I want to use this as a brief pause to let you know. If you have any questions, chat them in. Chat them in on Facebook, chat them in on Zoom. If you have anything that was like, hey, that made a lot of sense, or I'm going to dig deeper into that this week, chat it in, communicate together, get to know each other, okay? And if there's any questions you have after I'm done teaching, I'll go back and I'll answer them as well. So on page one, we're under author and date. It's very clear that Luke is the author of Acts. If you look at... Uh, the Gospel of Luke, where Luke basically ends, Acts picks up, okay? So it's a real simple, the Gospel of Luke, where he ends, the book of Acts is where he essentially picks up. Now, the first half of Acts is really um, features uh, Peter, mainly, notable figures in the early church. Peter was commissioned to open the doors of the Christian church to both Jews and Gentiles, that's what Peter was commissioned to do. He was to open the doors of the early Christian church to both Jews and Gentiles. The last half of Acts, chapters 13 through 28, is Paul. I covered that earlier. And really, Paul was chosen to bear the gospel, especially to the pagan world. Do you understand the connection between Damascus Road and what God commissioned Paul to do? That he and he alone, God and God alone, changed his heart 
God and God alone caused him to turn. And then in turn, he used Paul to go out and to reach the pagan world. This is a world that Paul was very familiar with. He was very familiar with their hatred of Christians. He was very familiar with their hatred of, of the message of Jesus Christ. See, we sit here and we talk about opposition today. Sweet ladies, I say this as gently as I can. The opposition that we face, however great it may be right now in the church, like they were facing opposition that was, was they, were, they were martyred on behalf of Jesus Christ. They were, they were killed. There was bloodshed, right? There are places in the world still that you cannot open up the word of God or you will be. You will be killed if they find out. We, I think, so often take it for granted that we get to open up God's word. We get to open it up anywhere, out in public, sit at a, a coffee shop, just open it up, dive in, dig in, and we don't have to worry about being killed for that, right? So it's really important to note that they were both, there was a very strategic purpose in that and what God did through Paul and through Peter, um, but really in, in specifically with Paul in reaching the pagan world. Luke essentially in Acts uh, narrates the transition between Jesus's ministry as described in the gospel of Luke, where he ends, and the development of the spread of the church, where he begins in Acts. I'm not going to go any more into the authorship because you can read that on your own. I want you to go to page two in the book. If you don't have the book, don't stress it. Order it. If you cannot get the book and there's a financial hardship, you reach out to me and please let it be a financial hardship because I have to do that through the ministry. If you need help with a book, I'll make sure you get a book. Okay. That is not a problem. Just privately reach out to me. You don't need to comment live. Just reach out to me through the ministry or to Heather and we'll get you a book. Background and setting. Beginning with Jesus's ascension through the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, Paul's preaching at Rome, Acts chronicles the spread of the gospel and the growth of the church, and it records the mounting opposition to the gospel. Why did I choose Acts? Why did I choose to pick up with our, our study here with the book of Acts? Because it really does record the mounting opposition to the gospel of Christ. And ladies, we are experiencing that here in 2023 in our world. I study the world and uh, the word and time, culture, and context. I don't believe in cherry picking the word. I do not believe in any sense in slap sticking the word. I don't like that. I don't think that that's appropriate. I don't think it's the right way to study God's word. But I can say that I do study his word in context with the, with the purpose of, okay, what does that teach me about Jesus in my life right now? After you've studied it in context, there's great opposition to the word of God. When you mention the name of Jesus Christ now, I remember a time where you could say you were a believer in Christ and people would be like, oh, me too. What church do you go to? No, not now. They look at you like you have, you know, they just look at you like you're crazy. We are the minority now. We used to be the majority. We're no longer the majority. We're the minority now. There's opposition to the church. There's opposition to the good news. There's opposition to Christ. This is not the time to be a weak and ineffective Christian. 
It is not the time to be flippant in your study of God's word. It is not the time to choose the ball field over God's word if you've not given priority to that first. It is not the time to drag your kids to travel ball and every other thing unless you have first dragged them to be fed and to be saturated with God's word. That is the times we are in now. That is what I feel God has called me to, to stay in my lane, to help you ladies get that fervency and that hunger for his word because we are under attack. The Christian church and Christianity is under attack. Ephesians 6, we can armor up. We know what to do. We fight the fight. We are not weak and ineffective. But ladies, that is why we're studying the book of Acts. That is why we're studying the book of Acts. And if you're not in a church at the end of week six, I have not done my job. If you have not found a church, if you need help with that, if you need help, sorry, my Amazon guy's outside. If you need help with that, reach out to me and I will help you with that. Acts records the initial response to the Great Commission. We talked about that. It provides info in the first three decades of the church's existence, material found nowhere else in the New Testament. The book of Acts emphasizes that Jesus is Israel's long-awaited Messiah, okay? It shows that the gospel is offered for all people, not merely for Jews, and it stresses the work of the Holy Spirit, which is mentioned in the book more than 50 times more than 50 times. If you look on page two in the book, you're gonna notice under the historical and theological themes down towards the middle, Acts also makes frequent use of the Old Testament. I wrote each of those chapters in Acts out, and then on the right, I wrote the Old Testament scriptures. I want you to do this. I want you to do the same thing. I want you to write every Acts chapter and I want you to write on the right-hand column every uh, Old Testament chapter. And I want you to go back and see. Because let me tell you something. Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament to New, every single word in the Bible, every single bit of God's word is not only infallible, inspired, it is sufficient. There's a difference in sufficiency of scripture. It is sufficient. It is completely Old Testament to new, relevant and meaningful. I tell you that because we have a lot of people right now, especially some big pastors with big names that everybody knows. You might even have a book of his on your shelf saying you don't really need the Old Testament. Or he himself refutes the Bible. My point is, is that the New Testament shows us all of the fulfillment of the Old Testament, right? All of the things that were promised in the Old Testament, that's what the New Testament shows us. And you can go back and say, oh my gosh, this is in the New Testament. And here it is, here, here it is, here, here it is, here. You can go back to Isaiah and see the, the picture of Jesus Christ, the suffering uh, servant, you can go back, it's connected, ladies. Don't you ever let anyone lie to you and tell you that the entire word of God is not important. Okay, because I promise I'm gonna finish you up on time. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17, verse six. Acts chapter 17, verse six. Let me get there myself. 
Okay. So this is going to be a rich, exciting six weeks together. So Acts 17, verse 6 says, and when they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have upset the world have come here also. And Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that they are, there's another king, Jesus. This happened, this happened in Thessaloniki. I got to go there the past month, this past month. My mother-in-law lives in Bulgaria. We drove to Greece because I wanted to see this area. And we explored all over Thessaloniki, however you say it. I say it like that, right? And I got to see these places and it's really, really incredible. Together, the two books, Luke and Acts, form a comprehensive and seamless account of how the followers of Jesus turned the world upside down by taking the good news of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ladies, let this be a model to us in how we live our lives and how we talk to people and what our purpose is. One of the greatest things I can tell you in running the ministry and running my business for 18 years is that you really have to know what your purpose is, like your core purpose, right? There's no greater purpose in my life. And I pray to God that there's no greater purpose in your life than to literally preach Christ and to make him known. And that doesn't mean that you have to get up on a stage. It doesn't mean that you have to speak to thousands. In a world that says you're, you're not big enough if you don't have 400,000 Instagram followers, that foolishness, it could be one-to-one. -one. I talk about that. You could be talking to somebody one-to-one -one and it could be as holy a moment. You just have to have the, the boldness to proclaim Christ, just like in Acts 17, 6. They were preaching Jesus. The Feast of Pentecost, the opening chapters of Acts portrays the apostles and disciples gathered together in Jerusalem just before the Feast of Pentecost. This is also known as the Feast of Weeks. And this is important. That's why we're going into it tonight. The Feast of Weeks occurred 50 days after the first fruits festival. Write it down. Pentecost, just write down Pentecost occurred 50 days after the first fruits festival and celebrated the end of grain harvest. The Greek word Pentecost means 50th. The primary focus of the festival was gratitude to God. This is what Pentecost was all about, gratitude to God for the harvest. The feast reminds us of the fulfillment of Jesus's promise to send another helper. That was the very first point when I started tonight's study that I gave you. Jesus gave the apostles this promise and he said you're going to remain in Jerusalem until it comes to pass and the, there's Pentecost and Pentecost happened 50 days after the first fruits festival and the primary thing was to give gratitude to God and that is a picture that's imagery for us it parallels literally parallels Jesus's promise to send another helper I want you to turn to uh, John John chapter 14, verse 16. And ladies, if you're watching on Facebook, I just noticed I have the little 
thing at the bottom that says stars. I don't know how I did that. And literally for the life of me, I can't figure out how to turn it off. So please just ignore that. I have no clue how I did it and I can't get it. I can't get it off. So John chapter 14, verse 16 says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate and he may be that he may be with you forever. This was a gift and this was a promise. The Holy Spirit would indwell believers and empower them for ministry. Now listen to this. Write it down if you want, because I don't think this is in the book. The coming of the Holy Spirit 50 days after Jesus' resurrection was the guarantee that the promise of salvation and the future resurrection would come to pass. That the promise of salvation and future resurrection will come to pass. Read, let's turn to Ephesians. We're going to read Ephesians. Chapter one, write that down if you would like and go back if you don't have your Bible on you. Next week, bring your Bible, please. Verse 13, in him, you also, after listening to the word of truth, the word of truth, the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance unto the redemption of God's own possession and to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit's a seal, ladies. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in every born-again believer is what seals us in Christ and bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed joint heirs with Christ. What a precious, precious gift that is. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Because why do I keep flipping here? I do not want you to just read something and be, oh, that's nice. I want you to go to God's word. I want you to go to God's word. Yes, I can repeat that. Somebody just asked me to repeat um, Ephesians chapter one. Give me one moment. Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. It says, in him, you also, after listening to the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance unto the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. And then I asked you to turn, I'm moving fast tonight. I told you girls, we don't play here. That's why you can go back, you can watch it on YouTube, you can go back, you can listen on the podcast. Everything that I do, I go back and watch it at least one or two times. Every Sunday I sit in church, I listen to Dr. Youssef, I come home, I'll listen to it again, I'll take notes, because we are just like that. We'll miss things, right? We'll miss things. So Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 16 and 17 it says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17, and if we're children, we're also heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, so we are literally joint heirs with Christ. Give me one moment. I lost my voice last week from uh, some summer allergies and it's trying to go away again right now. So 
pray for me girls, but that does not happen. So the marvelous, miraculous outpouring of God results in the birth of the church and it provides supernatural power for believers, ladies. Characteristics of the Holy Spirit. I want you to write this down. If you're working from the book, turn to page three. Some characteristics of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the divine agent who creates, sustains, and preserves spiritual life and those who place their trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the divine agent who creates, who sustains, write those three words, creates, sustains, and preserves spiritual life in those who place their trust in Jesus. Ladies, it's a seal. He holds us. He doesn't let us go, right? It's so important. I think that I've done a whole Bible study on the Holy Spirit. I have to go back and find it. I think it's on the podcast, an entire study on the Holy Spirit. And I do think that the Holy Spirit is very misunderstood among a lot of people. So go back and look for that on the podcast. The Holy Spirit's not merely an influence or an impersonal power emanating from God. He is the third member of the Trinity, equal in every way to God the Father and God the Son. See, we, we believe in the triune God. Although you will not see Trinity, the word itself in scripture, you see it all over scripture. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Characteristics of the Holy Spirit uh, are, number one, he, he functions in mind, emotion, and will. Write it down. The Holy Spirit functions in mind, emotion, and will. He loves the saints. It's the other point. He communicates with, teaches, comforts, and chastises. Nobody wants to hear that word. Chastises, if you don't know that word, is like discipline. He disciplines those he loves, right? No good parent I've ever met goes without disciplining their child. Raise a child in the way they should go in the end, they will not depart from it. There's discipline there. God loves us like that. He loves us enough to discipline us. See, in this world, 2023, it's all about rah, rah, rah. God is love. God is love. God is love. God is love. Turn, turn to sin. Turn. Just don't even look at it. Just act like it's not happening because God loves you no matter how much you keep on sinning. And no matter how much you keep on, yes, does God love us? Yes, but he's a holy God. See, we don't talk about the holiness of him. He is a just, J-U-S-T. He is a God of justice, right? He is a God of justice. He, he does discipline us. That is a part of his love for us. And in our love for him, please listen to this, going off in our love for him, May we turn from the sins in our life. May we continue to lay them down at his feet and turn in repentance to a holy and to a righteous God. Because see, everyone out there wants to tell you the half truth. They want to just say he's a God of love, but they don't want to tell you that to love means we turn from sin. And maybe some of y'all are getting a little wiggly in your seats. And you know what? Sometimes when that happens, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. He can be grieved quenched, lied to, listen to this, the Holy Spirit can be grieved, quenched, lied to, tested, resisted, and blasphemed. Since Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has indwelt all believers, illuminating their understanding and application of God's word. He fills them, 
seals them, communes with them, fellowships with them, intercedes with them, comforts them, admonishes them, sanctifies them, and enables them to resist sin. I love that. And to serve God. May we resist sin. And may we love God because he is holy. He's holy. He is a God of love and mercy and grace, but he is a holy and a righteous God. And please, I would not be doing you any justice at all to sit here and teach his word and to tell you that God will just turn a blind eye to sin because he won't. Because he won't. That's a truth that I share that I can tell you right out of the gate. I will lose some women to that truth, but that truth is all over God's word. That truth is all over God's word. So as we turn, I want you to turn to page nine in your book. We're going to fast forward <laughs> all the way to page nine. Doing great on time, actually. So we're going to go through a few of the questions together. We're not going to go through all of them. But we're going to go through a few of them together. What words and phrases does Luke use in his opening paragraph to drive home the truth of Christ's resurrection? So on page nine, we're working from question number one in the book. What words and phrases does Luke use in his opening paragraph to drive home the truth of Christ's resurrection? So let's turn, let's look at Acts chapter one, verse two. Verse two, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse three. He also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So literally, it tells you right there in verse two and verse three. And the reason why these questions are so important, gals, we oftentimes read, we're in such a quick world. They say, if you don't get your point across in less than 30 seconds, you lose people. It's probably less than 30 seconds, actually. You lose people. Because we're, we're so used to, to flash information in front of us, we read God's word like that. This book is designed to ask a question and have you go and search for the answer in scripture. Slow down. That's the first tip. Slow down. Don't read to just read. Read to actually absorb and understand God's word, okay? So it literally tells you right there, after, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, he also presented himself alive. He came, presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So verses two and three, that's the answer to number one. Number two, what instructions and insights did Jesus give his followers concerning the Holy Spirit? I'm going to let you girls answer that. I'm not going to sit here and read all the answers. Number two in the book, page nine. Let's make this a comment question. 
What instructions and insights did Jesus give his followers concerning the Holy Spirit? All you have to do is go to Acts chapter 1. Let's see. Is it chapter 1 or chapter 2? Give me one moment. 2 verse 4. Hmm. Yeah, Acts chapter 1 verse 4. I'll give you a little hint. Is where we start. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He told the apostles, don't depart from Jerusalem. Wait for the promise, the promised descent. That was the first point I showed you or shared with you in, in Acts, right, of the Holy Spirit. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 5. John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then the other answer can be found in verse eight. So I essentially just told you the answer. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to take these questions, everything that's asked here in the book, you can go right to the passage on the previous pages and the answer is there. You just have to slow down and you have to read. And you have to look for the answer. Question number three, following the ascension of Christ into heaven, what do believers do? What are we told about the identity of this group? So God's word tells us that the men look steadfastly towards heaven and two men in white angels stood by. Verse 11, who also said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up to heaven? Okay. Let's go read verse 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like, like manner as you saw him go into heaven. That's verse 11. And then the answers can also be found in verse 13 and 14. If you go to verse 13, Acts chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They went up and they prayed in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Okay. So they went up into the upper room and they prayed. And the final question I'm going to use as a comment question. Use three adjectives to describe the events that, in, that occurred after the Holy Spirit came. Use three adjectives. You don't have to do it now. You can do it later. You can do it on your own. If you would like to do it now, it's a lot more fun because we engage. But list some adjectives that describe the events that occurred after the Holy Spirit came. And then we're going to end with truth for today. Turn to page 11 in your book. I may consider in the future, I've always gone through the questions with you girls. I may consider omitting the questions and not, not 
doing those live, letting you do them on your own and me just teaching. But I wanted to do that tonight as we, as we kick off. So the truth for today, in an effort to appeal to people's interests, the church today emphasizes a great many different programs, methods, and approaches. A lot of churches today look at it strictly as, as a business. And they approach it like a business. They approach it strategically like a business. When things aren't growing or going, when things aren't moving a certain way, they look at things and they, they approach it like a business. I think oftentimes in the process, uh, leaving God out of it and forgetting that God is the one who creates the change. God is the one who creates growth. God is the one who creates movement and momentum, right? Being culturally relevant has become increasingly popular. Being culturally relevant has become increasingly popular. Secular psychology management techniques, so true, and advertising strategies have all made significant inroads into the life of the church. Listen, this is dangerous territory, gals. We're ending. We're ending chapter one, session one but this is dangerous territory to start to think that this is going back to, to what we talked about earlier, to start to think that we're in control of what happens in the church and how it happens. Are there certain things that we ought to do scripturally following God's word? Yes. There are certain things the, the, the whole book of Acts talks about the structure of the Christian church. Absolutely. But when we start to let in all these secular methods, listen close, because this is happening everywhere. And many of you may be in a church that's doing this right now here today. When we start to let in all of the secular psychology and methods and ways of doing things, it leads astray. There are, it leads people astray. There are many who are sitting in the churches today that you could walk up to them and say, hey, just, just tell me the gospel. What's the gospel? And they can't do it. There are many that stand on stages today and they're more concerned with the kicks that they wear or the followers that they have than the true, authentic heart for Christ to share and to preach and to profess Christ and Christ alone, no matter how unpopular it may be. You may not like that, but it's the truth. They're everywhere. Wolves, they're everywhere. They're not sharing the true gospel. The book of Acts is largely the record of apostolic preaching. Preaching has always remained central to the church's mission, but preaching the truth, listen, preaching the truth of God's word, not omitting things because you're afraid of how people are going to reject you, not omitting things because you don't want to lose members or lose people. And some of you, and I'm going to challenge you, and I'm so sorry, not sorry. Is that, yeah, sorry, not sorry. I'm about to challenge you. Some of you guys are choosing your churches based on all of the external fluff that serves zero purpose in your eternal, your eternal perspective. You're looking at I don't like that form of worship. I don't like that form of worship. Oh, is the kids program enough? Is it bright enough, shiny enough, flashy enough? Oh my gosh, your pastor is who? 
Some of you are more excited about who your pastor is than who your Jesus is. I'm sorry, but I'm about to go off. Some of you are more excited about who your pastor is than who your Jesus is. Let us turn. Let us turn in repentance. Let us look for a church that is doctrinally, completely and doctrinally and theologically sound. Let us look for a church that proclaims and preaches the entirety of God's word and not just a portion of God's word. Let us look for churches that proclaim sin to be sin, right, against a holy and a righteous God, and that if you're in a church who fluffs sin and pats sin on the back and loves sin, 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 and wants everybody to be happy, then you better run, sister. You better run. You're not going to like it. Not everyone here is going to like it. I had to be okay with that before I hit start. I had to be okay with that when I started this ministry. We have got to get serious about worshiping Christ and Christ alone. Before you attend any church, you know their statement of faith. You know what they believe. You talk to the pastoral staff. If you have questions, you ask the tough questions. You don't shy away and you make sure. And then when you find that place, you plug in. You plug in and you break bread together and you do life together and you pray together and you grow together as the church did in the book of Acts. Acts is a picture of what we need to be doing today. That's why I chose to do this study. Ladies, now that I went off and the Lord preserved my voice, he is so good. We're going to go to him and we're going to close in prayer. But before I do that, if you have any questions, if you have any private prayer needs, if you have anything you want to share, if there's anything you're not comfortable sharing live, ladieswholovechrist.com, contact form, it goes right to me. It goes right to me. Okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you for being here with us today. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I thank you for what you did. I thank you, Lord, for what you did tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the, the ability to just come and share your word. It's, it's, it is something that I enjoy so much. And I thank you. I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to do that. I thank you for the courage to be able to share the, the not just the wonderful things, but the hard things. Because... The hard things, Lord, are the things that we really need. We really, really need those things, Heavenly Father. You discipline those you love. And you, I, I look at you turning Saul to Paul and the discipline that was there, but how you used him in the midst of that to go out and to reach a pagan world and to just become completely and utterly sold out for you. And I think, Lord, there's nothing that you can't do. You can do anything and everything through any of us. So Lord, whatever that is in these women's lives, I pray, Lord, that you just have her um, just press into you, Lord, to know that she doesn't have to work her way to it, strive her way to it, strain her way to it to it. But Lord, that we just have to come before you humble, Lord, humble, and that we have to lay down everything at your feet, Lord, pick up your word, be intimate in our relationship with you and spending time with you intimacy, uh, intimacy and prayer. Lord, so many of us go days and days without really praying, unless it's praying for something we want, Lord. Um, I pray that you change that. I pray that you change our hearts. I, I pray that after six weeks here, that we are completely and utterly 
um, change, Lord, that we go out and that we seek after you with our whole hearts and that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that we don't boast in anything but in the cross of our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, that we don't boast in anything other than you. Lord, that there's complete self-denial in our lives and that we pick up Heavenly Father, literally pick up our cross and, and follow you. And that's what your word says to do. And Lord, you've done amazing things. And, and all of my failures and all of my weakness, all of my shortcomings and all of my sins, I thank you, Lord, for the ability to turn in repentance. I thank you for the ability to begin fresh and anew. Lord, you know the ugliest things about me and you love me. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so thankful for that. And I pray that you do amazing, amazing things in these women's hearts and lives through this study. It's in Jesus' beautiful and precious and holy, holy, holy name I pray. Amen. All right, gals, you hung in there. I'm proud of y'all. Like, this is really good. Usually I lose to me all halfway through the study. So I look forward to seeing you guys next Tuesday. A quick reminder, this upcoming week, I want you to go through chapter two on your own, and then we're going to come together live next week for chapter three. Every odd chapter we're going to be together on. Um, we are going to break on July 4th. Make a note. Make sure you make a note. We are going to break on July 4th, so we're going to be together three weeks, break a week, and then end with three weeks, okay? So God bless you all. I hope you have a great evening, and thanks for being with us. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.